and welcome to another episode of Stoke Meter. You know, I I am truly humbled. I've said that in a couple of, of uh, instances uh, with some other guests, but in this case, I truly am humbled even beyond that humble because we have Pam Zembic on the line. And once you hear the story, you'll understand why we have that, that, that reverence. Uh, Pam is the author of the book, Self, A Selfless Beyond Service, a story about the husband, son, and father behind the line of Fallujah. And we're going to be talking about this line of Fallujah in a moment. And you're, you're, you're going, if you don't know who that is, after this podcast, I hope you have a very great appreciation for the type of individual that this person was. But also the strength of this amazing woman named Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, no. <laughs> you have to be strong to like be married to that type of person. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would say eccentric um, and like, you know, a little bit crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, Pam, no. <laughs> Pam, you've got to go in. I mean, and welcome to the show. I should have said welcome <laughs> to the show first. But... Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, in, in, in the, in the pre-talk, it was pretty funny because when you, your your husband's name was was uh, Doug, yep. and he was, oh my goodness! The more I read about this guy, I, I'm just blown away because you were you were brought up by our 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 good buddy over there, and sure. she's just Mima is one of the most amazing individuals that that you'll see. And Mima had lost her husband uh, in war. And she said, I have a great friend named Pam that you've got to talk to. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I, I'm not worthy. But Doug was, when we were talking about Doug before, it was more or less something that we were having a humorous time with because he said, May I marry? Maybe he married me because he 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 needed to test me. But what? Yeah. Why don't you go into first of all who Doug was, how and that the relationship that you you two had that you two had, and uh, let's just kind of go from there. Does that work? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like he was just I, I you know I met him like any ordinary person would meet someone in your like late twenties. Um, and that was at a bar <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> nothing spectacular about the meeting, but, but it was interesting y'all because I like, I was there like on an off night. And so I met him in Virginia beach, which, um, is the land of Navy seals. If you all are familiar with, you know, Virginia beach and, 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 you know, little Creek and, and damn neck and all those places over there. and actually Navy pilots too, but it's more riddled with Navy seals. And I just moved there from, I moved out West for a little bit just to like, you know, see the world. And uh, I just moved back to Virginia and moved back to visit my friends. And they were like, Hey, you need to come to Virginia beach. I'm like, okay. So I meet him out one night and, um, and it was almost, it was strange because it was almost like he was stalking me. <laughs> like, Who is this like he, he was staring at me for hours and I'm for at least two hours. And I was like, and every time I look over my shoulder, like there he was. And, um, and then finally he got the nerve and he came to talk to me, but I was like, you know, listen, you know, I, I talked to him for a little bit. He seemed like a great guy. There was something about him. I knew it. And I was like, oh, I know he's going to be a boyfriend. This is somebody special. And I just wasn't ready. And, and no, it's interesting. Like I meet the soul Marine 
in Virginia Beach, like in the land of the Navy SEALs, after I said to myself, I'm going to move here, but I'm not going to date anybody in the military. I'm definitely not going to date a Navy SEAL. So I meet the Soul Marine. But, you know, you know, long story short, we ended up running into each other. I, he, he actually gave me his number because I was like, I'm not giving you my number. And um, so I never called. And so I ran into him four months later at another like fun place, which now has been taken down in Virginia Beach, the Duck Inn. And there he was and I was like oh no I'm running into guys I'm blowing off and so was it so then I was like what is wrong with me like look at him he's so handsome he's so tall he's like he, he just had this happy glow on his face and so long you know there we go we, we ended up dating after that and it was a crazy relationship but test after test you guys you I mean I, you know one night he calls me it was in the middle of winter this is like this is just one example of several but it was in the middle of winter and uh and he's like you have to come over to my house tonight he goes i have something really exciting i want to show to you i want I, you, it's going to be the most interesting thing you've ever done in your life you're going to be so invigorated like this is the way he was like he would walk into a room and he would just be like he would light up the room with his personality always positive he, he believed in the power of positive thinking, positive psychology well before, you know, this is a big thing now in our military. Like, I mean, I know that I was working on um, a program called about the power of positive psychology, but my husband was doing this back in 2000, 2001, before not even 9-11 occurred. Right. So he's like positive as could be. He's like, you have to come over. So I go over his house. It's freezing cold. It's in the middle of winter. It's like beginning of like second week in January. And he's like, okay, he goes, we're going to go out the front door because he lived like a block from the bay beach. He's like, we're going to walk down the road. He goes, and we get to, he goes, we're going to go to the beach and then I'll tell you what we're going to do when we get to the beach. So we get to the beach and he goes, we're going to strip down naked. <laughs> we're going to run into the water and then we're going to grab our clothes and we're going to run back to my house and jump into a hot shower. And I was like, are you insane? <laughs> he's like, trust me, trust me. He's like, so of course I did it. You know, I'm like, who's he going to challenge me? Like he's like, this Martin Queen, like I'm going to do it. So I did it. It was, it was, and actually it was pretty awesome. I, have to say. Like, I was freezing, but then like I ran to his house, we were running down the street. Like there was no one around. Thank goodness. Grabbed our clothes, ran. I mean, literally he was like one block from the beach and no one was around. So no one could see us. So, uh, so we get into the hot shower and he, and it, he was right. Like, I mean, there, he had something about him where he would tell you, he would tell you to do something and you're like, there's something about this guy I just trust he's not gonna like steer me wrong so I mean I did a lot of crazy stuff because I he just made me feel so safe I mean he was six foot two you know all muscle I mean no one was gonna mess with me if I was standing next to this guy right. so and he just and he had that way with his marines as well I mean his marines I mean when he was in Fallujah I mean they I mean one of his marines said to Doug's dad um at, at the uh, bronze star ceremony before, this is like after 2004, like, yeah, your, your son has a way about him. He's such a leader. Like I would have followed him into the battle of Fallujah without, with a spoon. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't even need a weapon. I wouldn't have needed a weapon. So, and he had that way with me as well. And, and if you would have known him, you would have felt the same. You would have felt the same thing. But, um, but yeah, it was. He, that's just one example of several. So, it, <laughs> it is amazing because I actually read that uh, a story about his father going into a base yeah. and people yeah. recognized him and just they they gave him the accolade. They saw his last name and just said, "I would have." I would have done anything for that that individual, and sure, yeah. it's, it's it's amazing how he had that ability. And of course, I never met him, 
but just reading about him got me so inspired because it's the kind of leadership that's lacking now. Uh, yes. If that makes any sense, because when you see a leader that's willing to lead by example, and instead of trying to create their own fiefdom and really help to, uh, to increase the capacity of the, the people that, that he is leadership, a leader over, sure. it's amazing to see the response and the abilities that are created because of that kind of example. Uh, it, it, I, well, I, you know, I've got to go into one story that I read yeah, about him. Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I mean, anything. I, yeah, I'm, good. Well, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I, I had read the story that the, a radio wasn't working and he needed some support because uh, apparently some Marines were coming under fire and there was a big sure. Abrams tank that uh -huh. was there, but somehow their communication wasn't, wasn't off and it was a massive firefight. And <laughs> I, the the crazy man I, that's the lack of a better word yeah he just runs out in the middle of open jumps on top of the tank and is knocking on the tank oh, door yeah. and this is what i heard and then then oh, yeah. all of a sudden they open the door and he started to open on fire on the insurgents on top of the tank in the open until mm -hmm. the tank was able to turn around and when it turned around and shot at the enemy position, the the percussion the the percussion was so great that it chucked him off the tank. Did I read that right? <laughs> yeah, you, you did. And and actually, he was injured on during that day. Like um, oh. it was April 26, two thousand four. I remember the day so clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because I you know it's interesting. Like you know, like with Doug and I, like I feel like that day you're talking about and was a very it was it was. It was the worst battle that they had had when they were in Fallujah. Yeah. And I don't know, you you probably remember when all this ensued was when the um, the guys from Blackwater mm -hmm. were burned and mutilated and their yeah. bodies were dragged across the city. And, mm -hmm. and actually Doug's battalion was sent in to retaliate against that violence. And so then remember the ceasefire that was called? Mm. Well, the ceasefire was called and then they weren't allowed to go back into the city. So while they were like not firing, you know, like they were, the Marines had were, were called back to the base, um, the insurgency just built up. Like they, they built up their, their capacity, like they, and they were ambushed basically, Doug's, Doug. And then they, were, they went back into the city of Fallujah after they were like the ceasefire's over, go back in. I don't know all the exact details, but um, but in my book there is a letter from that day. He wrote about it. What I did with the book, like I put all the letters that he wrote home because he wanted to write a book about right. experiences, but unfortunately that did not happen. Um, but yeah, so he he they that's why all that ensued. I mean they were they they had the insurgents were able to get more more of their more insurgents to come in and then they and then they were ambushed when they went back in so doug lost one of his guys that day aaron austin mm. um and so yeah he was and it was interesting because we had that type of connection i mean when you meet somebody it's they some people say oh when you know you know and and everybody's like oh no that's not right well for me it wasn't for him it was i mean you just you just know and you have that soulmate connection so that day i woke up i i had a horrible day at work i felt like crap and I'm like, yeah. something is wrong with Doug. I knew something was wrong. And then that night I got the call. Like we were, we weren't married at the time. Like we were just, uh, we were planning our wedding right. and his parents actually told the Marine Corps to call me 
And so they called me and they said, you know, you, you know, your fiance was, was injured, but it was category, I think on a cat scale of one to five, he was a five, which is the lowest level. So he was actually injured and went back out after <laughs> he was patched up and went back out to help his Marines. But, but yeah, that was a, that was a tough day for Doug. I mean, he, yeah, he wrote about, he, he did a lot of like, and I wish a lot of people would, would take hit lead by example, not only by his bravery and, and the things that he did on the battlefield and how he led his Marines from the front, but also the, what he, how he dealt with his trauma that he went through when he was in battle. I mean, he would come back and he would sit, he used to sit inside of it. Like when they were in the city of Fallujah, like they would sit inside the homes of the Iraqi, of the, of the Iraqi citizens. Like they would go in when they took over some of their houses and he would write, like he would sit there and he would write down everything that ensued that day, his feelings about it, like what had happened, like, um, and, and just let it all out in paper. And wow. I think that's the problem with a lot of our military and the problems we're having in the present day is we hold it all in yes. and it's like, you know, and that's not the way, I mean, I, it's just, Doug was just, I don't know. He was a, far above like he yeah. was far above what the normal individual is and and there'll never be another one like him but I just wish that he was around to say hey it's okay to write about your feelings it's okay to to show them it's okay to tell someone because yeah. guess what if you keep that all bottled up inside that's yeah. that's not going to be good for you in the long run but mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I just wish he was here to tell his marines that too because I mean you can be a badass on the battlefield but you can be a badass at home too by showing your emotions I, I, I love that yeah. I love that <laughs> well you know I've got to ask and Gary I, if, I, if you want to ask too but what has been the response to that book that book had to be an emotional thing to put together but at the same time yeah. I can only imagine the the people that it has helped as they've read it well, I hope so, Maurice. I, I really, so I, I didn't do a lot of marketing on that book at all. Like mm -hmm. I, like that was my story. Like that was my grief journey. That was, that was my meaning making. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. And we, I didn't know that I was like, I just, I just, I just got my master's in May in thanatology, which is the study of death and dying. And I didn't know at the time, but I was making meaning of Doug's loss by writing that book. And also I was in the, in seeing a good therapist as well. After I had like pretended like he didn't die after I went right back to work and ran a marathon and was this Spartan queen that said, Hey, I, I can just go right back to life. And I don't have to feel the pain of the loss, right. which was the worst thing I could have done for myself. But that was part of my grief journey. And so when I published it at the time, like, I didn't even know if I was going to publish it. Like, I was like, I don't know. I think it's just for me and for my daughter one day. But then like I let like one of Doug's um, best friend's wives who, who ran the marathon with me, she read it, Bridget. And she was like, Pam, this is really awesome. Like you really should let other people read it. I was like, really? And then like, I let one of my civilian friends read it. And she's like, we would love that too. I think civilians would love to read it too. Yeah. So, cause it's not just about war. It's about a love story. It's about a grief journey. And so I self-published, like I never, I didn't care who read that book. I was like, this is for me. This is, and this is for Doug's Marines because it talks like he talks about the bravers, bravery of his Marines and all the letters. And, and he wanted, he wanted to tell them how proud he was of them one day in a book that he was going to write. And I knew that they, like, if I transcribed all those letters in that book that's published and trademarked and, and is copyrighted by me, like they would be safe forever. Right. Yes. Um, so I did that for his Marines. I did it for myself and I did it for our daughter because I wanted her 
to know what he was like dating and how like like he was he he like he like we broke up several times in our relationship I was like listen if you don't want to get married then I'm done like I'm not I'm not wasting my time like I want to get married and have kids and if you don't think you want to marry me but he wasn't ready to get married he struggled with that like being a marine and fighting his country and not wanting to leave family behind in case he died in battle and yeah yeah. and so like he struggled with that too but but anyway so I I really I wrote it down for myself but I, I mean like I guess I should have marketed it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I never, I didn't write it. I wrote it for myself, but there have, I mean, thousands have read it. I mean, since that time. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah. So when, when the article got published in the Washington Post in 2014, it's interesting how this all went into play. I, I wrote that book. It took me seven years to write it. Like wow. I wrote like 300 pages in a year. And then I put it on the side and then I picked it back up and funny enough, because, okay, like maybe I shouldn't say this, but this will, this will keep, this will draw a whole nother crowd in. (laughs) (laughs) I had a psychic reading and the psychic, (laughs) he wants you to finish the book. I'm like, how did this psychic know that I was writing the book? (laughs) She's like, he wants you to finish it because you got to finish the book. And I'm like, okay, already I'll finish the book. So after the psychic reading, that's when I went back and it was like somebody was pushing me out of bed to finish it. So I finished it in April. I self-published. I didn't care who read it. And then all of a sudden that Washington Post article was was published that he, how he was actually killed um, mm. working for um, the agency um, as um, with, uh, well, he was still in the Marine Corps, but he was actually yeah. working with the agency at the time. Um, so that's what propelled the sales forward. Um, wow. and then, you know, you know, whoever, whoever wants to read it, I mean, like I do things out of purpose and passion. Um, and I really would like more people to read it. So hopefully, you know, some more people read it once we get through this, but, um, yeah. but I, I do think it's very, it's, it, there's an appropriate time. Like I wouldn't re- recommend this book for a newly bereaved partner at all. I would recommend mm-hmm. it for them, like maybe a year post loss or something, yeah. uh, because this can really bring up a lot of turmoil. Um, sure. You know, so I tell that to a lot of my friends that you know that like I, I do some uh, nonprofit work and um, I let them know, hey, I don't know if you're ready to read this yet. So here's an appropriate time, and I'll let you know. Um, wow. But yeah, so hopefully, like, yeah. And there has been some colonels in the military that have recommended this book to. Um, to uh, to military spouses, which is and partners, which is great, because I really think this self discovery and self awareness can help others in that respect too. The ones that are still, you know, serving our country well. Man, I, I just I can't help but feeling again a sense of reverence for everything that you've been through, and I, I don't know if you knew it or not, but September is uh, National Suicide Prevention Week or sure. something. It's, it's a month. Uh, yes. And we 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 were speaking with another individual that was also a former a soldier, and just it's amazing what what not only the military is going through, but just day to day folks that can really learn from what you went through, and to to put that out there in such a vulnerable fashion. Uh, first of all, I thank you for that, but. I believe that uh, a lot of people have been impacted in ways that that, that you might not have heard of. Uh, I, I really do. Anyone, anytime someone puts something out there like that with their heart, it's it's amazing the amount of people that it touches in inadvertent ways. 
but anyway, <laughs> I, hope so. I hope so. You guys, I really do. I like everything I do is for something greater. I mean, I, I don't, and it's not like, and, and Doug actually helped like him and I together, two fire signs, Aries, Sagittarius, like crazy together. But, <laughs> but we were also there, we fed off of each other and he was very, of course, yeah, I shouldn't, I don't even have to say this, but he was very purpose driven as well, of course. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so he just, I mean, he just did things that way as well. Like he, he believed in a higher calling, a higher purpose. Like most, most people that serve others, yeah. that's what they believe in. Um, and I think like, like Doug's Marines, and I, I don't think I know this, I, he had such a powerful impact on them because like, I, I say this all the time, he, he led from his heart mm-hmm. and not the rank on his sleeve. And that's mm-hmm. how I would describe him as a Marine. And he would never expect anyone to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. Yes. Um, humble, but self-confident. Yeah. He, he was just that type of guy. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, I miss him every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by where I don't think about him. Of course I'm raising the female version of him. So <laughs> I really don't have that choice. Yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, this just happened, but this is pretty cool. She just got back from visiting her grandparents in New Mexico and she was shooting trap with her grandfather and her grandfather, Doug's dad um, was, I guess he, he trained FBI agents in sharpshooting. I think that's what one of his roles as an FBI oh, agent. My goodness. So Fallon actually, the, her first trap, <laughs> shooting trap with her dad's rifle, got it. She had an amazing <laughs> shot. Like, I don't know. I, I really think she's the male version of him, but I mean, so he, his legacy lives on through her and through, and through doing things like this like and that's another powerful message to those that are especially the guy like like I think like the forgotten people like the the spouses the partners the the parents um you know we are all given like you know we're given like the most attention um when the loss occurs right and 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 duly so like we should we should and we, we are the ones that are missing them them a lot each day but the guys that serve alongside them, like, like yeah. those are the ones that aren't like their, their grief and loss. Uh, they're the, they're men that have, you know, their, their fellow soldiers or fellow Marines or fellow sailors that have been, have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Like, I mean, I think their, their grief is kind of disenfranchised in a way because mm-hmm. they're not. And I think this, this adds on to the whole, like um, all the sadness and, and the, the loss the, of connection and the loss of purpose with a lot of our, a lot of our military and service members that are, that are, that are here. Like this, so like, I just, I just got back from a trip and with mine and I was hanging out there. <laughs> and, and so I, I met up with a couple of Doug's buddies and, and one of them, they just wanted to talk. He just wanted to talk to me about Doug the whole time. And, and his, and his wife was like, I, I have survivor's guilt being around you because mm. you're, because you're still, I'm, I still have my husband and yeah. you don't. And I had to talk them both off down off of the, I said, listen, you know, we had a nice long conversation. I won't get into that, but, but if we're on that subject of, of, you know, national suicide awareness month, like, I think that adds to it as well. And I, I think we like those guys need to know that, Hey, the family members, like we recognize your grief and your loss too. And, and if you ever need to talk to us about them, don't, don't like, don't like be afraid to reach out by text, email, call, like every single year since Doug has passed on, I have somebody new connect with me 
Like this year was every, every, and I'm on the phone with them for two hours. And I don't mind doing that because guess what? Like I'm, I'm in a different place right now in my journey. I've done a lot of work to get where I am. And I feel like I can now give back to them and, and hear their stories of Doug. And this helps them because they, everybody thinks we're at peace right now. Well, yeah, we kind of are, but no, there's still people that are serving yeah. like, you know, behind the scenes that we don't know about, but I mean, but we still need to be active and, and recognize, you know, we're not, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I like that people like understand our loss, but we need to understand their loss as well. So. Yeah, man. man I, I, yeah, I've never seen Gary this quiet before. Gary, come on, ask me a question. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about in the back of my head as we've been talking. The first of, the first is, I have a feeling that your book would be absolutely a vital tool for people prior to their loss. I just have this feeling that it would be something that probably is useful for all military families sure. to, to, to read, just to have that kind of education and knowledge kind of be, not, not to say that, you know, you're going to have that kind of loss like you did. Sure. But I don't know. I've always just kind of wondered sometimes, you know, you were saying like, okay, let's wait a year later, kind of after the fact. But I think it would also be super useful for people that are just in the military day to day. You know what I mean? Because I think it would also help to be empathetic to those that have gone through that as well. Anyway, that's one of the things. I guess the other thing that that kind of comes to to my mind in talking with you is, first of all, I feel like we all kind of know someone like a Doug and I really wish I could have met him. And what I mean by that, <laughs> what, what I mean by that is you were saying how you, you innately felt safe when you were with him. Sure. He would push you to do things that you probably never would have done. Oh, and, I, yeah, yeah. and I feel like we, we know people like that. Sure, and, yeah. and Maurice was mentioning how, you know, like we need more leaders and, and, and people with kind of those tendencies, but from what I've seen, you can't teach that. No. Either have it or you don't. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I the people in my life that I would have that I would say have that Dougness. Dougness. <laughs> I like that. I like Dougness. <laughs> you, you really cherish those people because they really are. And and then I feel like he really found his highest purpose in his life in what he did. He took that Dougness and he leveraged it into something where he made tremendous impact on so many people's lives. And as I hear you telling people that keep coming back and talking to you, Mm -hmm. that's just a reflection of the type of person that he was. And so, I don't know. I just think it's interesting, you know, kind of those people that have those characteristics and tendencies are so rare. Yeah. And how exciting is it for you to have that in your life? It's exciting now. I mean, now that I don't like, but also it's, it's almost, gosh. And, you know, and Fallon, Fallon made a very um, profound statement a few years ago because um, we were at one of her swim meets and in the summer and one of Doug's friends from the Naval Academy was there. He was on the other team and he came over and he's like, Hey Pam, you know, I went to school with Doug and he, he's like, but I just wanted to talk to you a little bit he goes, because I, I kind of, you know, I lost my dad. He was a Marine. I lost my dad at age seven. And 
And we discussed that a little bit. And then Fallon and I were walking through the neighborhood later that day. And I was like, hey, listen, you know, um, Mr. Day, like he lost his dad too. And she was like, so she stops and she looks at me and she's like, mom, she's like, I'm kind of glad I was a baby. And I was yeah. so young that I don't remember him. She goes, because if I would, if I knew him and knew and was so close to him, she goes, I think I would have a harder time dealing with his loss. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely right. Yeah, she's absolutely right. And, and, you know, and at times, like I, I like that father figure around, her, like, I feel like she's got his legacy and like his, his spirit around her all the time with Doug's friends, his parents, like me, I mean, my girlfriends, like all that stuff. But, um, but she's, but you're right. Like th that there's, there's like, it's nice to have that in my life now, but let me tell you, what a hard it was like freaking crack like yeah. i don't even know i've never taken yeah. crack i shouldn't use that <laughs> but uh, but i mean like <laughs> let's take that back like it was like he was, he was just so like intoxicating like but being without him was like they call this term so you have a tat like when people pass along like you grieve according to several reasons there's several reasons why we grieve the way we grieve and grief is so idiosyncratic but but for me, it was especially hard for me because I had that soulmate connection with him. Like my attachment to him was that soulmate connection. Like that love was so intense and so strong. Like I could, I could feel him. Like I felt when he was injured. I didn't mm -hmm. feel when he had died, but I do truly believe that he was probably with me at that time. Like he, he was gone and his spirit was in the house, but I, but I don't know. Like, I believe, I believe in an afterlife. I believe in heaven where we won't get into that topic, but, um, but you have these different connections. And, and so like, that's why, like, like he was that type of person. I had that connection with him. And that's why a lot of people mourn him so much because they were attached to him too, like that. And yeah. so, yeah, but you get used to like you and, and, like as the years go on, you do things like we're doing today. You write books, yeah. you serve others, you um, you do runs in his honor. You make a CrossFit workout out of it, you know, named <laughs> after him. You run a marathon after him. You there's awards after him. So you have all these wonderful things that keep his legacy alive and his spirit on. But but it doesn't replace that, you know, that yeah. that heartbreak. That and I I refer to the loss of him as the shattering um, for me. Like it shattered my world and, and some losses don't shatter your world. Some do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I call it the shattering because it shattered my world when he died. Like, and you keep trying to fill that world. You try to keep feeling like it's a void. You think it's this void, but it's not really a void like loss. Like my dad died like three years ago. I love that man. I miss him. He was in my life for several years, but it was nothing like the loss of my yeah. husband. It, it, and, and I hate to put it that way, but my attachment to my dad was a little different than that to Doug. Sure. But, um, but they say like attachments to your, 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 your spouse and to a child are the worst losses you can go through. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, my world was shattered. You have to rebuild, you can't fill voids. So like, if I can give anybody a lesson today on, on, if you, if you're going through something like I'm going through, like you, you have to try not to fill that, that hole with all these different voids because it, you have to learn how to rebuild but by the meaning making the book writing the like the doing different things like that that are more productive instead of 
drinking wine five glasses every night. So, <laughs> or, or like running or exercising your body to death, which is what I did. Like I almost had to have neck surgery. Um, oh. So you do all these different things that just don't work. Like you have to really work on it. Like, yeah. like that type of death, that shattering is something you have to work on for several years. You're just not going to, you never get over it. You learn how to live with it. And you know, your heart begins to smile again, like one day mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, maybe I can, you know, date somebody else again, or maybe I can like, you know, go to this ceremony again and not, you know, be devastated by it. But right. I don't know. So that, I mean, that's just a little uh, more more fanatology on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so. I, I don't know. I think it's so interesting because, you know, I've had loss of my in in my life as well, and it's you you just you just mentioned it in a way that it kind of made sense to me. You really do kind of make that that turn at some point mm -hmm. where there's more joy than there is pain. Yep. You know what I mean? You can, and, and yeah. then it's almost like you really turn, a, literally turn a corner. Mm -hmm. And then once you reach that point, then it, then it kind of gets to, gets to be fun again, because then you can actually remember, you know, you can look at the good and the exciting. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe that 10 K run, Yep. Your your people are seeing who he was, and then they can start taking the good from who he was. Sure, you know? sure. You make so, legacy. That's where most of our nonprofit, our military nonprofits come come out of. You know, it's from people that have gone through a trauma or a tragedy or a, a shattering, and they decide, hey, what am I going to do? Like, I need to do something, and they want to build this legacy. They want to make meaning of the loss, so they they. Like Travis Mannion Foundation, that's yeah. one big example. I mean, Travis Mannion. I mean, he's he was he died two weeks before Doug did. Wow. And and wow. Doug and him were really good. Were friends. They like he he graduated Navy, I believe, two thousand one. So him and like Doug, when he wasn't deployed, he would go and he would wrestle with Travis. And <laughs> wow. I mean, they would he would go and wrestle, come back home and give me a ringworm, like you know. You know like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's ringworm. That's not a you know, right? <laughs> That is so disgusting. <laughs> you're married to a wrestler or dating a wrestler, you're gonna get ringworm. Like just that's another like you know that's another golden nugget from our conversation today. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so yeah, but they wrestled together, and, and Doug would just, he'd come he like he would like oh man this dude Travis he's like so tough and he almost. I was like, did you, did you let him kick your butt? He's like, no, like he actually challenged me. So he would like go and help give them pointers and stuff. But, but it like Doug called me like the day that Travis died, April 29th, 2007. Wow. And, and Doug called me and he's like, cause he could call me every day on, on the job that his last job and yeah. his last deployment. And um, he's like, yeah, we lost a really good Marine today. One of the best. And so we discussed it a little bit. And then two weeks later he was gone. Um, wow, yeah, man. it was crazy. And so they, so his mom, like Travis's mom, like they started TMF to, cause out, out of, out of their loss, like out of their yeah. trauma and tragedy and their shattering of their world, like they started this like nonprofit. And I mean, like, I wish I could have done something like that immediately. I was in no place, you guys. Like I, I was so lost. Like I, I, I just, I just couldn't. And I feel like I finally have made my groundwork and I'm ready to like, Hey, let's get out there and let's like, you know, and let's do some more purpose. But, you know, I, I still, you know, I've done a lot of pro bono work with nonprofits and stuff to, yeah. you, know, you just have to find your niche. You have to find like your group, your group, like you have to find people that are like you. And mm -hmm. I think part of my problem was like, I was so isolated from, from so many people because Doug was working for the agency. And so I was like, they tell you, Hey, this is how he died, but you can't tell anybody. 
and you got to lie about it. So you can't, and, and, and you know, and I would have lied about it until I died for national security. We all do like, we're not going to like do that. And, and so like that messes up the grief journey too, because you're like fighting it and you're, it's it's just like, and once I could, once I found a group that I could, you know, commiserate with, that's when I started my actual healing, to be honest with you. And that was in 2014, seven years later. Yeah. (laughs) I was rolling around in circles. Like, I like to call it the floating. I was floating around. <laughs> this to that, to this to that, trying to like make this pain go away. And yeah, it well, took that long. What so. I find inspiring, I, I, well, you're inspiring all the way around. Your husband is inspiring all the way around. But just to understand the depths of grief, but also the anger that oh, you yeah. had to overcome. And oh, yeah. There was one you had quoted that it took me years to get over that anger. And what it made me realize that it's okay to be angry. It's okay. It's okay to process that um, and and have that time to process it. And I I find so oftentimes that um, people want to rush that process and it can't be rushed. It really just cannot be rushed. And just to to understand how you went through that and how you then were able to impact others with loss. Um, Again, the reason that this interview happened is because you helped a a mutual friend to cope with her loss. And just to see that, that connection and that, um, that fellowship, I guess, for lack of a better word uh, is it, it amazes me. But the other thing too is, you overcome all of the so-called stigmas. And that's one thing we've heard a lot when it comes to overcoming grief or any emotional trauma, that there's a certain stigma that, hey, I should be all right. I should be able to overcome this right yeah. now, right here, right now. And yeah. in actuality, it's something that you're always dealing with uh, in some form or another until you realize that it's it, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay to have those feelings. Yeah, it is okay. You're never, it never goes away. Like, like grief, like people have this misconception about grief mm-hmm. that it's linear. Like you go from stage to stage. That is <laughs> not the case. Actually, the, the stages of grief don't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross yep. divide. She, it, it was the stages of death and dying. It was yeah. never the stages of grief, yeah. um, but, but, but someone extrapolated that yeah. into, but grief, if you could, if I could draw a picture of grief and I've done this in some of my presentations, like it's, it's like this, it's squiggly. It's a big ball yes. of squiggly, squiggly because you go, it's you're all over the place. And I still, I still have anger sometimes, like, especially when I'm, when I'm dealing with a 16 year old, <laughs> Who is the male version of the lion of Fallujah, who calls herself the lion cub of Fallujah, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Doug, why did you leave me with this child? She's so difficult sometimes. And so I get angry at him, not necessarily like, I'm like, why did you, ha- why? I did not, I did not get married and have kids to be alone. But although I knew it was a possibility, but you know, you, you never, you can't live life thinking that your spouse is going to die in combat. You, that would not be a life. You live life supporting them through their combat and make sure that everything's good at home so they can go and fight for our freedoms of this country. And um, so, yeah, so like, I do still get angry and, 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 you know, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. There's a great book 
it's okay to not be okay. But I met, I forget her last name. First name is Megan. But I, I, I really, I give that to, I tell, I refer that book to a lot of people that are going through loss. Like you're like, it's been five years and I still get that. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You are going to be grieving the loss of someone that you had such a connection with until you die. And, and hopefully like, I, I, I do believe that there is somewhere else when we die and I'm going to see Doug again. And that's how I cope with it in many ways. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to see Doug. Oh, you know, on your, you know, all the stories. <laughs> I think Doug is going to be like, come on, babe, let's go jump into the water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so I'm going to be like, yeah, let's go. But <laughs> it's like, you know, like I believe in that. That's what helped me. Like spirituality actually helps a lot with grief. People that have, yeah. have belief. Um, you know, and those that don't like, they, they have other forms of belief, like that they, I mean, like they're, I mean, everybody grieves differently. Like I said before, it's very, it's very individual, but I mean, like, yeah, you can, I mean, like we all go through like yesterday, I was just talking to another one of my, um, military widows that I like support her. She's six and a half years post loss and she's in the stage. So she, like I mentored her, like I was kind of, I was, I like to call us grief companions, like we companion the newly briefed. And so she, um, when she lost her husband, I was there for her from the beginning, like the point of loss. And we, I, you know, stay connected with her through the whole time. And so we talked yesterday and she got herself together, you know, went to nursing school, got her nursing degree. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you, Becky. You're so awesome. And she got her job in nursing and quit. She's like, I hate nursing. <laughs> well, the ironic thing is you're talking a nurse in the upper yeah. ankle. <laughs> so I'm like, so I called her yesterday. I was like, Becky, I just want you to know that you're, it's okay that you hate nursing and that you don't want to do this anymore. And because right now she's like, and then I'm, I've been traveling all year. I was like, yeah, you're in the running phase. I was like, so I said, I did the running phase before I did the career change phase like five times. I was like, so she goes, oh, so I, I said, do not feel guilty or shamed that you did that, to, that you went to school and you don't want to do that anymore. I went to nutrition school. I had two different jobs. I, I mean, like, you, it's like, you, you, like, you're like, what happened, like what mattered before the loss? Like yeah. I was, I mean, I had a bad ass job. You guys, when Doug died, I was at the I was a pharmaceutical specialty rep, diabetes specialist, my dream job, because I love nutrition and fitness. And I was calling on endocrinologists and it was awesome. I'm like, I'm in my dream job. He dies. I stayed in that job for a year. I'm like, it doesn't mean anything to me. I quit. Out of the blue. Just done. It, me it meant nothing. What meant something to you before this loss means nothing. So you have to find a new purpose, a new passion, a new direction. And just wow. like, like the military, like they, this is, a, this is another problem that in our military, like they, and this is why we have so many transition programs for our military yeah. veterans, because they need that because they go into the military with this purpose-driven life. They get out yes. and they're like, what am I doing? Yes. Like, what, what am I doing? And the same for us, yeah. like military widowed spouses, like, but we go through two. We transition from military spouse to military widowed spouse. Yeah. Then we have to transition from widowed military spouse to widowed civilian yes and so we have two and so like most of us wow. stay in that widow or, or bereaved military partner status we never transition to the third it's called identity reconstruction like it's basically there's like there's this, you know my studies whatever but i mean there's been a study done on it like i mean like we can't like it's hard for us we just want to stay because our heart is and, and that's yeah. the same with the military like they they got to transition into the civilian world and yeah. like nothing like it's boring like what can they do <laughs> like, 
what is the purpose now? You know what I mean? So I, I, I get, I get they're like, I get it. Like we get, I get them. Like I get yeah. that in a way. Yeah. Like I never went over and fought in battle, but I was also, I was alongside a warrior though. Yeah. Through, that, through those battles. Yeah. So identity reconstruction. I, what, I love that. What, <laughs> holy cow. That's a, that's a powerful term. And it's how, you know, and sounds like for a lot of people, it's major life events that kind of trigger that, that yeah. identity reconstruction. What yeah. advice would you give someone that was just, for whatever reason, is yeah. suddenly faced with an identity reconstruction? They're at the beginning stages. They may not even know it, but something's happened. And now they have to basically change yeah. who they identify as, like who they are. Well, first of all, if, if depending on, you know, are we talking civilian or are we talking military? Because... We can talk the bridge between. I don't know. I between. mean, that's yeah. Um, well, okay. I will have to say I give kudos to our military, uh, to our um, Department of Defense right now because they they have a uh, they have a, a a position in the VA called a VA peer support mentor, and they help a lot. And when you are transitioning out of the military, now you have to go through like different steps and like they put you through. A, through a program to see Good. how what can help you with so they are helping with with our military they're doing a lot of great things and then and then you have all of these nonprofits that are um helping veterans find jobs like in mm -hmm. the civilian world mm -hmm. so that's what i would like I, like our military is doing a great job but for us there's not there's nothing mm -hmm. i mean like for the military widowed spouses and so Speaking, of, I just I like I just wrote another book, by the way. But I'm I'm trying to I'm working on getting a real publisher for that. <laughs> <laughs> this one means a lot more. The, I mean, the first one means a lot to me. This one would do a lot more, a greater impact on the greater of society. But but I think for us, like finding another program like they have for the military, like I'm working on that too. I'm trying to make change in the DoD in that respect. Like I'm working with a state senator right now that's trying wow. to help me. So, yeah, so I am working on developing a program that can help companion the newly bereaved with all these things. And, and one of them is transition and identity reconstruction back into, you know, this, this stage. But, you know, all I can say is like, you know, some of us don't want to go to the civilian stage. Like yeah. we just want to stay. We, some people just are comfortable in that and that's okay. Yeah. You know, if you choose to like, go you want to make that final transition like you want to say hey you know i want to be i, I want to find that purpose and passion outside of the military community and you know you know a good therapist yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I recommend a good therapist to anyone that has had a shattering i mean yeah i mean but some i mean it, but it depends on if it's a shattering to you or not yeah. so if, if you've lost your husband and you're in a different place. Like it wasn't a shattering to you. It wasn't a shattering loss. Like, I mean, you did, there's different connections and there's it, like, there's different losses. So, you know, I would recommend anyone that's had a shattering, you probably should see a therapist. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just too life. It's just too, it's just, you can't do it alone or you have like community, like right away. Boom. Yeah. You have somebody there that's going to like support groups in general are the number one way. Yeah. That's you can help someone going through these transition and going through these life crises, but it does take a while, Gary, to, to get to that point where you sure. like the sure. first few years you're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, where am I going to live? Like, 
you know, am I going to like go back to work? Am I, if you're a young widow, like I was like, you know, am I going to go back to my job? Well, yeah, I'm going to, because I'm a Spartan wife. You have to, you have to, well, you have to you have, the first step in the whole process is like feeling the pain of the grief. And, and because yeah. we're Spartan Queens and we were married to King Leonidas's modern day, like, like a dog, right? Yeah. Like you're like, I'm going to be his, you know, queen Gorgo. And I'm going to like, you come home on with your shield or on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to be the queen Gorgo. And I refused to show anybody my pain. Like I went right back to work in two weeks. Wow. I, mean, two wow. weeks. I started wow. training for the Marine Corps marathon the week after, like the day after his funeral, wow. I ran six miles a day after his funeral without eating for 10 days after, or, or a week after. Week oh after. my goodness. I mean, and, and so it, it, I never, I didn't feel the pain of the grief till probably a year after. And I lost it. I was in the hospital and everything. I went to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. So grief will find you. That's another golden nugget of this. Grief will find you. If you don't let it out, it's going to overtake you physically. If you don't let it out emotionally um, and mentally. So I can only imagine the number of people you've helped. Uh, because as soon as you, you said about the new purpose of, and, and so oftentimes we lose the purposes without realizing there's so many other purposes that we can attach ourselves to, mm-hmm. but that identity, the identity reconstruction that just, the Gary just reemphasized yet again on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My goodness. Uh, people sometimes I can only imagine don't even recognize that they've had an identity, uh, an identity uh, destruction that you yep. have to reconstruct. And mm-hmm. I, I have to, I have to thank you for, for being that individual and educating us on so many different facets of mental health that I, first of all, I would never have, have, have guessed. Uh, and more importantly, that you're, you're vigilant about all of this stuff right now. Um, it's, it's amazing. Oh no, you're, you're, you're inspiring. <laughs> I'm you're inspired me in, in ways that you don't, don't even know. I mean, I, I'm going to take a lot of this information and share it with friends or people that I work with right. and, right. and so on and so forth. And especially with military, you've given, you've given a concreteness to terms that, that were lacking before. So I thank you for that. But, but, but I do have to, I do have to say this, there's one part, and I, as kooky as this sounds, it just struck me. And this was some. This was your last. This is the last conversation. This sounds like like he had, and it it just conveys the hope, and the individual that this that that Doug was, and that you continue to carry on. Again, as corny as that sounds, but this is something I, I read, and it says you should see what we're doing with the Iraqi people and what we're doing to help them. Things are getting better over over here. Oh yeah. And it wasn't more than a few hours after that, that he, he, he was killed, but yet those last words convey something, a conviction of doing good Mm -hmm. that far transcends uh, not only his death, but also goes into the things that you continue to do to inspire and bring up people and man, you're strong. (laughs) I'm not, not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry or anything like that, but Daggum, you're strong. It's taken years for me to get this way. Like I wasn't always like this. I like, I talk to my friends now, especially the ones that I 
I like to say companion and mentor and, and help them through their, their, the state. I, I watch them, I sit back and I'm like, yep, she's running. Yep, she's using wine as a filling. Yep, and I just sit back and I don't judge. There's no judgment. There's empathetic listening. There's, but yeah, we try and, and that and Doug, like he always, and this is the power of positive thinking, the power of positive psychology, the power of taking those negative thoughts and like, like all the negativity about the war in Iraq and all that stuff that would go into the news media on a daily basis. And, and, and Doug would, would take that in, but then he would go over there and he would take the mission and he would be like, look at, he would always look at the good yeah, instead yeah, of the yeah. bad. I mean, he would, yeah, and that's what he did. Like, he's like, he's like, cause he was over there in 04 and yeah. his last appointment was, it was three years prior. So he was like, babe, you know, I, I you should see, cause, cause wait, cause I remember like we had talked that morning and, and he was like, can I talk to, is Fallon awake? Is Fallon? So Fallon, <laughs> like I, he started talking to her on the phone and she was like, daddy or whatever. And so she's like, dada. And then he gets back and he's like, well, wait a minute. He goes, wait a minute. I have to tell you one last thing. And that's what he said. That was his last words to me pretty much. Um, and then he was like, I have to go there. I've got to, I've got to go out in the field. And, um, and so like, yeah, so it's, it's pretty impactful. Like he, even like his last, pretty much his last words on this earth to me were positive and yeah. like he would always, yeah, he was just, I just, I don't know. There is just, it's hard. Like I have to talk myself out of negativity, like sometimes. And, um, and I think about what would Doug do? Like I, I do, I say that a lot of times in my life, like what would Doug do? So this is, so my daughter, she's like a mini dog. Like, I mean, the other, she's so like, she's so, so we had a, we had a grease fire in our kitchen and I was like, holy shit. What do do? <laughs> and I'm standing there and she didn't even hesitate. And this is what he would do. She went underneath the counter of the kitchen sink, knew instinctively that the fire extinguisher would be there. She just pulled the thing out. Shh. She's like a fireman. Like she knows that. <laughs> And I was freaking out and I'm like, this 16 year old girl, like, like was the responsible adult here. And so I commended her. Like, I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, but it's like, she's like living through and like the positivity, like it's maybe it's genetics. I don't, you're right. Like you were saying Gary, like people are born like that. Like they, they are born like that. So, but they can also, also mentor people to be yes. like that too. And, and so like, if anything, like I feel like that is the message here. Like we have to, like life is a roller coaster. It's going to suck sometimes and it's going to be yeah. freaking awesome sometimes. But, you know, if you can find like the happy medium and take some type of positivity out of it, then, you know, that's going to keep you off of the ledge, you know, yeah. it's going to keep you within hope, yeah. um, having hope, um, especially in this day and age, because we, there's a lot of negative stuff going on right now, which totally. we have to talk ourselves out of a lot of stuff, right? Yes, and, if it, and it sounds to me like if you get kicked off one roller coaster, it's going to suck for a while until you find your new one. Your new yeah. <laughs> but find a community, find people to to yeah. help you along the way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's like it's life. I mean, you know, you, you have your ups. It's, it's, it's you have your traumas. You have like your you have like your ups and downs. You have all these different things. But it's you have to just go. With, you have to go with it and not not get so upset. Like calm and. And I have to work on being being less reactive because I'm very type A. I'm very like, hey, let's get it done, gung ho. Right. And that's one thing. My my daughter is very much like her dad in that respect. She's very calm. She's very positive. She's very cool under pressure. Um, and I I take lessons from her. She's like, Mom, you did not react very well to that fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
That's awesome. I'm like, you're right, Fallon. I didn't. And I was like, I'm, I'm glad that I had you. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm like, who's the adult here? Me or her? <laughs> that, that's a that's the beauty about kids. They teach us every day something that'll drive us nuts. And all of a sudden they do something to, well, I, to what was that line on Dumb and Dumber to completely redeem themselves? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, you know, I have to say that's another note that we should take back into all this whole, like if we take care of our military yeah. family members, our military bereaved spouses, then we're going to be able to take care of our future generation of children. Yeah, and, I love that point. And the fact that I took care of my shit and got myself together and was able to mentor my daughter and be the best mom I could be for her yeah. in these trauma and tragedy, in this trauma and tragedy that we turned into positivity. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've tapped myself on the shoulder every day when I look at her because I'm like, damn, I've done a really good job. And it's because of the group that I'm with, it's because of the support that I've had, it's because of the work that I've done because you can't just rely on other people for this. Yeah. You've got to do the work yourself. You've yeah. got Love, to- Love that. Well, Pam, I, I, I will say this. If there's anything that we can do to help further the stuff that you're doing, please okay. let us know. We'd be happy to help. And Thank you. Thanks. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. You, you folks, you, you, the, the things that you're doing right now, I was going to say you folks, it's you. <laughs> and, oh, no, no. And the people I have you people- work with. I have other people that I, you know, that I'm, that I'm working with. Too, but well, let us know when that book drops too. So we can get yes. the word out. Oh yeah, I will. I'm, I'm like, I've got, I'm working on that too. Like that's another, like trying to find the right person for that because I just don't want anybody. I want the You'll right find person. Them. You'll find them. You will. Yeah, you're you're will. too stubborn not to succeed. <laughs> stay tuned because there is a screenplay about the first book that's out there. <laughs> oh, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. And that's what the psychic did say that as well. There's going to be a screenplay. Yes. But yeah, that's, you know, but we're waiting on Hollywood right now and the craziness of Hollywood. So I love it. But there's a lot of good stuff coming out and hopefully we'll be able to get more out to the public and, and actually more like Doug's, Doug's character on the big screen, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be way awesome. I can think of a couple people. (laughs) Well, who should play him? Like, that's the question. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody can. <laughs> no, I mean, he was, a, he was a, well, man, it was, it's amazing. Again, just, I could see him jumping on the side of that daggum tank. <laughs> yeah. Well, one little story before I let you guys go, you can, you can like leave, we can like get off with this story. This yeah. is a civilian story. This wasn't even at war. Cause just to give you another example about how this guy was like this all the time. We were on a vacation together and we were on, we were, we were going over the Virgin River Gorge in New Mexico. I guess it's a new, it's like on the south side of New Mexico. We were up near Taos and um, that area. And there's this big bridge and there's like this bridge over top this like gorge that drops like a thousand feet. And, um, and he's like, babe, he's like, um, can you, can you take a picture of me real fast? I was like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, he goes, just watch. <laughs> he climbs over the bridge and does a pull-up like on the ledge of the bridge, like free, like free. If he would have like missed, he would have fallen to his death. Get a pull-up, pull his body back up, jumps over the side, and I started crying my eyes out. I'm like, why did you just do that? He's like, because I just wanted to, because I knew I was and I knew I wasn't gonna die. Okay. That's an ex- that's another good example of him. So just, okay. <laughs> 
his dad actually yelled at him. His dad's like, Douglas. So, I mean, I wasn't the only one that was upset. So his parents were upset. Douglas. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, oh, what am I getting myself into here? Oh. I, Squeezing you know, every drop out of life. Yeah, possibly. best six years of my life. So. Oh, and you are too. Well, Pam, thank you for your You're time. Welcome. It was nice talking to you guys. This was a lot of fun.